Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, today I'm on part six of 10 on the I Believe series. It's a foundational series about what we believe. The Bible says the just shall live by their faith, but I know one of the traps and tools of the enemy is he's constantly trying to have us tear down our faith, tear down what we believe. In fact, he did it with Adam and Eve right at the beginning. He looked at Eve and he said, has God really said? Because God really knows. You know, we go through a world of, of questioning, of deconstruction, of people breaking down all of the systems, breaking down the political systems, the, the, the religious systems, the church systems, the system of the family, the system of even their identity, their sexual identity, and who they are as a person. And it, it, it may leave you, I'm not saying that we don't need to question things, because there are things we need to question, right? There are things we need to come back and say, is that really right or is that not, not right? How do you determine the answer to that question, though? You have to go back to God's Word and say, is it in alignment with God's Word, right? So that's how we figure out what's right and what's not. But I'll tell you what's really important is that we don't deconstruct things to the point to where we don't believe anything, where we don't believe anything. You know, I went to, uh, to Bible college and, you know, by the time I, and then I taught at a Bible college for uh, several years and I watched so many students walked in, walk in that were passionate and hungry for God and, they, and some of them walked out agnostic, some of them walked out not even believing in God anymore. Why? Because they questioned everything so much that they lost their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They lost their personal relationship with the word of God. Right, And they thought, well, maybe this isn't all true and all this. But I'll tell you, one of the things the Lord laid on my heart, in fact, a thing is this summer, I had something else planned this summer. But uh, the Lord put on my heart and said, I want you to go through and lay out the foundations of what you believe. So we broke it into 10, uh, 10 things that we believe. Okay, I know that some are wrapped in, some are bigger parts of the branch than others. But there are 10 things that we believe in. Our first five, the very first one was, I believe in sin and salvation. I believe in salvation. Next one was, I believe that Jesus is Lord. Next one was, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Next one was, uh, I believe in the Word of God. Last week we talked about, I believe in Christ's church. And this week we're talking about, I mean, one of my favorite, I believe in divine healing. I believe in divine healing. And let me tell you, today, if you need healing, you might say, well, I don't need healing. I feel good. No, this, this, heal, this, this message is not just for today. This message is for the rest of your life because at some point you're going to need it. And you usually don't know when you need it. Or at some point, someone else is going to need it. We also put this into question and answer uh, uh, f- format so that someone could uh, be able to make disciples out of someone else. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't just want certain people to make disciples. He wants all of us to make disciples. So let me ask you, are you ready to make a disciple? That's what, that's what you should Are you ready to make a disciple? Well, how do you do that? Some people say, I don't want people to follow me. They're gonna, they're, I'm gonna mess them up. 
Not if you keep the word of God in their hearts. So I'm giving you tools. We're giving you tools to, and questions to ask and scriptures so that you can go back and be able to walk other people through the road of discipleship. If you did not get uh, a handout, I would like for anyone who didn't get a handout, just raise your hand and somebody's gonna hand you a handout right now. See that? Looking for a handout, looking for a handout. No, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, yeah, just r- raise your hand. If you need a handout and somebody's gonna give you a handout and you can just follow along, take some notes. Uh, on that, but I want everybody to get a handout. We're talking about divine healing today. Here's the main point. If there's one thing I want you to get, it's this, that God's will is for you to be healed, period. God's will is for you to be healed, period. What about this? What about that? No, God's will is for you to be healed. That, that's the main point that I wanna uh, get across today. You know, most believers don't doubt God's ability, they, bow, they, they doubt God's willingness. They don't doubt if God can heal you, they doubt if God is willing to heal you or if he will heal you, isn't that right? Does anyone doubt that God is able to heal? No, nobody does, but the big question we have is will he do it? Does he wanna do it? You know, and that's the thing. But I'll tell you, just me as a person, if I'd rather someone doubt me, I'd rather them doubt my ability than my willingness. Because when they're doubting my willingness, they're doubting my heart. My own kids, you know, if they came to me and there are things that maybe I can't provide for them. But if they come and say, you know, I know if you could, you would. Right, because your heart's there for me. In fact, Jesus even said in Luke chapter 11, he said, uh, we have a father in heaven. He said, and which of you being evil, if, you're, if, you're, if your kids ask you for something, would you give them something else? Would you bait and switch them? Well, no, because you love them. In other words, the example that we can give of what kind of God we have is the example of who you are as a father and a mother. And he's a good father. And let me tell you, he's not only able to heal you, but he's willing to heal you. He's willing to heal you. Um, so we need to believe that not only God can, but God will. Hey, also, I want to say before we start here that the enemy, if there was one lie he would want to do for healing, it's not just to stop your healing, but he wants to stop your believing that it's God's will to heal you. So he would get all this other mess in there that where you start doubting God. Well, so I go to pray and I'm praying more of a God, please, God, please. And if I just pray more, if I get more other people to pray, if I post it on Facebook and the more people I can get, God's like, oh, finally, uh, you did good. You got up to 200 people and I'm going to heal you now. No, people won't think that way about their salvation. They think that God says, whoever comes to me, I'll save you. But healing is more of a just uh, a person by case by case scenario. Like, uh, I'll heal you, yes, no, yes, no, maybe so, wait a year, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And that, that's how people, that's not the case. Just like he saved us, God gave us full provision for healing. And that's what I want you to, to show you out of God's word today. So let's look at Psalm 103. We're gonna go through that he is our healer, that Jesus brought healing, that healing must be received, and then how to receive healing, okay? So Psalm 103, verses Two and three, and I'd like for you to read it out loud and loudly. Let's fill this house with the voice of God's word today. Can we do it? Let's read this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. That word heals is literally the Hebrew word rafa, where we hear, I am 
Jehovah Rapha or Yahweh Rapha, the Lord your healer. I don't just heal you, I am your healer. Right? I am your healer, it's who I am. Um, so what are the first two benefits of Psalm 103 that he tells us don't forget? Don't forget that God forgives all of your sin and don't forget that God will heal all of your diseases. Somebody say amen this morning. Yeah, I know someone's on the fence. They're like, seriously? But I can think of, no, we're just going back to the word, okay? Here. So number one, uh, he is the Lord who heals you. In the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 26, what's the benefit of those who obeyed God? Those who obeyed God and now, uh, and how does God describe himself? How does God describe himself? Well, you don't have to turn to all of these, but I'm just going to read these. You'll see them on the screen. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, it says, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, do what's right in his sight. He goes on to say, I will put none of the diseases on you. Somebody say none of them. Yeah, none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Again, he uses the word I am Jehovah Rapha. That's who I am. You know, if you were to, sometimes people will come up and say, uh, hey, what do you do? They'll ask you, you know, what do you do? And you say, well, I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a um, health provider, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a tutor, I'm a, I'm a doctor, I'm a, you know, I'm a, someone who works as an accountant. You might just tell them whatever you do. But you know, if you ask the Lord what he does, one of the things he'd say is, I'm a healer. In fact, I'm your healer. That's who I am. I'm your healer. I'm not a, and do you know God doesn't work a part-time job on healing? Sometimes we think he, he overlooked you. No, he is your healer. What did he say here in uh, Exodus 15? He says, I will put none of the diseases on you for I am the Lord who heals you. Literally, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. So what has Christ redeemed us from? Let's look at this next question. What is provided for you in Christ Jesus? And you could just fill this out. Well, the book of Galatians chapter three and verse 13, it says this, Christ has, read it with me, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, what in the world is the curse of the law? I'm gonna tell you in a minute. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, and that was in the law, about if a person hangs on a tree overnight, that they're gonna be cursed. And so Jesus, he was cursed but he was cursed for us so that we'd be redeemed from the curse of the law. Now I know every time I'll officiate a wedding, I will always stop and read out of Deuteronomy 28, the blessings of the law and how good the blessings of following the Lord is. But this tells about the curses of the law and I wanna actually study what the curse of the law is. Somebody might say, what is the curse? Well, if you, first of all, the law is the first five books of the Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's also called the Torah. It's also the Pentateuch. Okay, that's the first five books of the Bible. That's called the law. There's blessings in that for people who followed the Lord and there's also cursings in that for people who did not follow the law. Okay, so uh, the curse is really the punishment for breaking the law. If you stepped over the line, if you trespassed, if you did something wrong, uh, the curse would happen to you. If you summed up all the curses, there are bunches of them, it would be summed up into three things. Number one would be poverty. That would be a curse on your finances and your productivity. Number two would be healing. That would be a curse on your body or your mental state or who you are. I mean, just read it in the Bible, you'll see it. Number three is spiritual death. Spiritual death is a separation from God and God's presence in your life. So all of, all of the curses of the law can be summed up in these three things, poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. But what has Christ redeemed us from? Well, he's redeemed us from poverty. Not just poverty, not having money, or not having things, but I'm talking a spirit 
of poverty. There can be rich, there can be people who are wealthy who have a spirit of poverty upon their lives, right? And, and to where things just don't work, right? Poverty, sickness, sickness, and spiritual death. So what are some of the curses of the law? I just want to go over some of the curses. <laughs> we don't usually study those, but let's go over the curses of the law, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15. It says, but it shall come to pass if you don't obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments and the statutes which I command you today. He says that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. First of all, verse 15 says that not only some of them, but all the curses are gonna come on you. God's like, I'm gonna curse you in every way, okay? I'm gonna curse you out. I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 21 and 22. It says, the Lord God will, and here's some of the curses. You can write these in, verse 21. The Lord God will make the plague cling to you. You know, we sit here and talk about coronavirus and all the other viruses and all the things that go around. You know, back then they had different viruses and they had stuff that was what was going on. We know the 10 things that Egypt, uh, the plagues that came upon them. But he says, the Lord will make the plague cling to you until it has consumed you uh, from the land of which you're going to possess. In other words, you're not gonna have an enjoyable time in the land. The Lord will strike you with consumption. What is that? You're gonna start wasting away. And fever, he says, an inflammation and severe burning fever with the sword, the scorching, and with the mildew. We know there's diseases with that. They shall pursue you until you perish. The Lord's like, if you don't follow me, these are some of the things. He goes down to verse 27. says, the Lord will strike you with the boils. <laughs> you ever had a boil or like something you're like, ow, or it looks like it? I mean, it's not good. The boils of Egypt, look at this, with tumors, with the scab, <laughs> and with the itch. <laughs> Some of you are squirming right now. <laughs> with the itch from which you cannot be healed. Notice, you could put some cream on it, you could put some body wash on it, <laughs> but it's not necessarily, necessarily going to help, right? Uh, the Lord will strike you with madness and with blindness and with confusion of heart. Notice it doesn't just affect your physical body. It affects your mental state. It affects your well-being. It affects your ability to process and to think. He says, you're going to have blindness and confusion of heart and madness. And you shall grope at noonday as a, mind, uh, a blind man gropes in the darkness. You shall not prosper in your way. And you'll only be oppressed and plundered continually. And no one's going to save you. Down in verse 35, it says, the Lord's going to strike you in the knees and your legs with severe boils, which cannot be healed. And from the sole of your foot to the the top of your head. There's going to be sickness, right? And then in verse 58, I'm going to read this last passage. You say, are we just talking about sickness today? No, I'm talking about healing. But look at this. Verse 58. If you do not carefully observe all the words of the law that are written in this book, then you shall fear this glorious and awesome name, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name. The Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants. Now it's breaking down to not just you, but it's your kids. He says, and your descendants, extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sickness. What is that? It's terminal disease. It's gonna happen to you, down to your children. He says, moreover, he will bring back, and then he sums, it, he sums up kind of all of it in verses 60 and 61. He says in verse 60, moreover, he will bring back to you all the diseases of Egypt. 
You can just take every disease that Egypt has gone through and say that's under the curse of the law. All the diseases of Egypt of which you are afraid and they'll cling to you. And then verse 61 is kind of every, every disease you could think of and you say, what about this one? Yeah, that's in verse 61. It says, also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law, he'll bring upon you until you're destroyed. There's gonna be some things you're going through that you're like, what is that? And he's gonna go, I don't know, but you're gonna get taken out. That was the curse of the law. The curse of the law was something you didn't want to be under. But let me tell you today, um, uh, every sickness and every disease is not under the blessing of God. It's under the curse. So for us to believe that sickness and disease is something that may, God may have brought onto us is something that, it's a wrong belief. It's something for disobedient children. It's something for people who are outside, not following the Lord. We can confidently say that Christ has redeemed us. In fact, can somebody say, Christ has redeemed me from every curse, from every plague, from every sickness, from every disease. See, that's the first thing, that you believe that God, your association with him, is your healer. He came to heal you. Christ has redeemed us from the curse, having become a curse for us, uh, for it is written, cursed is everyone, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon you. Okay, next, I want to show you. Jesus is the one who brings healing. Jesus is the one who brings healing. If you look back at the life of Jesus, in fact, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that Jesus was the express image of the person of God. In other words, if you want to know what God looks like, look at the life of Jesus. If you want to know the way that God loves you and treats you and his perspective of you, look at the way Jesus treated people and did things with people. What are the three things that we see Jesus doing in his ministry? I want to point out two verses on this, and we could go more than this, but I just want to point out these two. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Physical healing. Jesus' ministry was three things. Say it with me. Preaching, teaching, healing. Say it one more time. Teaching, preaching, healing. That was the ministry of Jesus. That is the ministry of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You look down in Matthew chapter 9 and verse uh, 35. It says, then Jesus went about all the cities and all the villages. And notice what he was doing. Teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. The ministry of Jesus is to preach so that you'd get saved. To teach so that you'd have an understanding of how to walk in kingdom ways. And to heal you. To take care of you. To heal you. What did Jesus say that the spirit of the Lord was upon him? The very first thing Jesus did when he walked back in the synagogue. After he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and went into the uh, days of temptation. He walked uh, back into this place. The book of Isaiah was handed to him. And he found in the book of Isaiah where it was written this in uh, Isaiah chapter 60. But we read it in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. What did Jesus say he was anointed to do? And I want you to notice this. It wasn't just to take away sin. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to, say, preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to, say, heal, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty. What does that set people free? He was someone who cared about your whole well-being, and which was a representative of the Lord. What did Jesus say the thief comes to do? Um, yeah, we see it in John 10. The thief does not come except to steal, say it, steal, kill, and destroy. By the way, is sickness part of stealing, killing, and destroying? 
Or is sickness helpful? Anybody know? Man, it's really helping me. It's really helping me today. I've never thought to one of my kids, you know, I'm going to, I hope they're sick today. Hope they're sick today. Yeah. No, the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come. We're talking about why Jesus came. I have come that they may have, say it with me, life and have it to the full. What is that? He came that you'd have a full life. He came, or we might say fulfillment. He came for fulfillment of your entire life. What was Jesus anointed to do in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 38? It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who, read this with me, who went about doing good and healing all, somebody say healing all, who were oppressed by the devil. By the way, who's the one who brings sickness onto your life? The devil. Who healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to heal everybody who was oppressed by the devil. It was part of his life and ministry was to bring healing and wholeness to people. In fact, by the way, I've never seen Jesus, I've never read in scripture where Jesus turned anybody away or said, let me pray if it's God's will to heal you. No, every single time. He wanted healing and he walked healing with people. He didn't tell people, I'm not going to heal you. So we don't see that in the word. We see that in religious talk. But we need to go back to the word and interpret things through the word and through the will of God. Okay. So Jesus uh, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Who did Jesus say bound the woman that he healed in Luke chapter 13, verse 16? I just picked a, a few, few things out of this. But in Luke chapter 13, it says, and behold, there was a woman with a spirit of infirmity. By the way, you know what that means? It means some sickness, there's spirits that are attached to that sickness. I'm not saying every time you have a sniffle, you're like, get to you behind me, Satan. No. (laughs) You know, sometimes your body's just going through things. But this woman had a spirit of infirmity. There was something that wouldn't make the sickness. It was a prolonged something that wasn't just to heal, a healing thing. It was something that she had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and she was bent over and couldn't by no means raise herself. And Jesus saw her and he called her to himself and he said, woman, you're loose from your infirmity. And they laid hands and he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And down in verse 16, it says, uh, they were saying, well, you're healing on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be healing on this day. And Jesus is like, that's ridiculous. She's been healed. She's been sick for 18 years. And you're going to say, I got to go by this ritual law. Jesus said, I care about the person more than I care about your tradition. Sometimes people care about tradition more than they care about the people. And Jesus said, I'm not going to let this woman who's been sick for 18 years with a spirit of infirmity sit one more day in sickness. Why? Jesus is our healer. And what did he go on to say? He said, uh, uh, so ought this woman that being a daughter of Abraham, see, God provided healing under the old covenant to the children of Israel, to his children. He said, this woman's a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound. By the way, I want you to notice she was sick and he said, Satan's bound her. Sometimes people say, well, do you think that's always, well, there's times where Satan locks you up with sickness whom Satan has bound. Think of it, 18 years, shouldn't she be loosed on this Sabbath? God provided healing to this daughter of Abraham in the old covenant. But, you know, if he provided healing in the old covenant to his children, do you think that now the new covenant, which is under better promises, 
established. It's a better covenant on better promises. In fact, in the book of Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, it says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is the mediator of a better covenant, which he was established on better promises. Do you think if the Old Testament provided for the children of Israel healing that the new covenant wouldn't? No, much more. The Lord provided healing. How did the works of Jesus ministry fulfill the prophecy that was given 682 years before in the book of Isaiah chapter 53. Well, we read in uh, Matthew chapter eight, verse 16, one of the times that Jesus was healing, says, when evening had come, they brought him to many who were demon-possessed. I want you to notice what he did to the demon-possessed people. He cast out the spirits and healed them. Notice he didn't just cast out the spirits. He knew the spirits are coming to steal, kill, and destroy. So what did he do? He didn't only cast out the spirits, he cast out, he, he, he healed what the spirits did to the people. See, sickness is something that, it, it's not God's best. It's not God's blessing for you. Don't ever believe that lie. Yeah. When evening had come, he said, he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Why is that, why is that uh, particular uh, uh, passage important? Because some people say that Isaiah chapter 53, it, 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 it does mean that Jesus took those things on the cross and it was prophesied that some 680 years before, but, but he's saying that's what it took. It's spiritual healing or he, it was, it, he took our sins, but he didn't really take our sicknesses. But if that's true, the Holy Spirit didn't know it. Because the Holy Spirit said through at Matthew in Matthew 8, 17, that Jesus healed people who were sick of physical diseases, mental diseases, things, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken in Isaiah chapter 53. He himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases, that which is part of what he did. So healing is part of the atonement. Healing is just like the Lord provided forgiveness of sins for you, the Lord provided healing for you on the cross. We don't have to ask him for it. We don't have to beg for it. Just like Jesus said to the children of Israel, to the, to the woman that was there, he said, this healing is yours. Listen, healing belongs to you. Healing belongs, just like salvation belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. It's yours. And if you're not walking in it, well, then that's a different thing. But healing, you shouldn't feel condemnation over it. But I'll tell you, you need to know, don't believe the lie of the enemy that you're trying to get healing. Jesus has already provided healing for you. By his stripes, we're healed. Well, if we look over in Isaiah chapter 53, why, does Jesus, why was Jesus wounded? Why was he bruised? Why was he chastised? And why did he take stripes? It says four things here. Well, he was wounded for our transgressions. What is that? It's our rebellion. You ever been rebellious? Humanity has. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was crushed for our iniquity. What is iniquity? Well, it's perversity. It's depravity. It's something that's deep on the inside. It says the chastisement. Why was he chastised? For our peace. That word shalom, by the way. Shalom. Shalom. Peace. Wholeness. Wellness. He was chastised so that you could be well from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. And by his stripes, we're healed. By the word, by, by, the, by the way, that uh, Hebrew word right there again is Rafa. He says, that's who, that's who you are. You're healed. I'm Rafa to you. 
I am Jehovah Rapha to you. And that's what Jesus came to provide. So was healing in the atonement? It was in the atonement. Why did Jesus bear our sins on the cross? If you look in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, I want to ask you this question. Why did Jesus bear our sins on the cross and why did he take stripes? And we see that he did certain things and it provided certain things for us. But we see in 1 Peter, he reiterates Isaiah 53 as well. It says, who himself bore our sins. Can you just say this over your life? He bore my sins on the cross. He says on his own body on a tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. So what did he do? He bore your sins on the cross for forgiveness. And he took stripes for your healing, for your physical healing. Now, someone might ask, well, couldn't that be spiritual healing? And let me tell you, your spirit doesn't need to be healed. Your spiritual, in fact, he said, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, I, I never bought something at the store that's brand new, pulled it out of the pocket and said, okay, I need to fix it. What am I going to do if I need to fix it? I'll take it back. Your, your, your spirit doesn't need to be healed. It's your body, it's your mind, it's your processes, it's the other things that need to be healed. So he's saying, I did only provide eternal life for your spirit where you're born again, but I provided healing for the rest of you. That's what Jesus came to do. Can somebody say amen today? Yeah. All right, the third thing, healing must be received by faith. Healing must be received by faith. I know somebody might say, well, if it's God's will to heal, then wouldn't I just be healed? Well, you wouldn't say that about salvation. If it's God's will to to be saved, wouldn't I just be saved? Right? You wouldn't say that about salvation. You have to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. You also have to receive Jesus as the healer of your life. Healing doesn't fall on people automatically any more than salvation falls on people automatically. Healing won't just happen any more than salvation will just happen. You have to, by faith, appropriate what Jesus did on the cross. First of all, believe. So what are, um, you have to receive healing by faith in your body. You may be waiting on God to heal you, but God's not going to do anything else about your healing. He, he's not going to come down again and die on the cross for your healing. He's already provided healing. Now, what did he say to do? He said, now you go into all the world, right? And you do something about healing. Now, when I say he's not going to do anything, somebody might say, well, that sounds a little weird. No, listen, what I'm saying is the price he already paid for healing and sickness, he already did. Now he's given us the authority in the name of Jesus to do something about it. So healing must be received by faith. So what are the requirements in order to please God? Really, this is in every way we see it in Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible. Say it with me, without faith, it's impossible to please him. In other words, anything you do to walk in the will of God, you have to do it by faith. God doesn't force himself on anybody. God doesn't make you get saved. God God won't make you get healed. God won't make you get filled with the Holy Spirit. God won't make you walk in your calling and your gifts. You have to do it by faith. Everything you receive from the Lord, you have to do by faith. He says here, say it with me again, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe two things, that he is God. Well, I believe he's God, but do you believe the second part? That he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Listen, never do you see in the Bible that someone who's seeking God under the covenant, under especially the new covenant, that someone's seeking God, that God's going to strap something bad on them. No, he always provides and takes care of them. So what's required in order to please God? Somebody say with one word. Faith. 
How about somebody else? Faith. How does faith come to us? Well, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so then faith comes by what? Hearing. I'm tired of hearing all this stuff. Well, then you're not going to build your faith. You know, you don't get faith by praying. Lord, give me more faith. No, you get faith by hearing. You get faith by hearing the word of God. That's why it's important for you to hear right now. If you need healing, that you hear that it's God's will for you to heal and hear how to receive. What happens? Your faith will be built in it and you'll be able to receive. What did Jesus say was required for the blind man? I'm just giving you um, some examples in Matthew chapter 9. What did Jesus say was required for the blind men's, that's not a typo, it was actually dose men, two men, okay? Okay. the blind men's healing in Matthew 9, 27 through 30. Well, it says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him. They cried out saying, son of God, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, what did he say to them? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Jesus is saying like, where's your faith? Do you know sometimes you'll pray about things and Jesus will look back at you and say, what do you believe? And that's what he said. Where's your faith? Do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes and said, according to what? According to what? Your faith. Let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And their eyes were opened. Now, I've seen, I've been raised in the church. And I've seen that there's been people who I believe have been very unwise. To where they've seen people that are not healed. And they walk up to them and say, It's because you have a lack of faith. And I know that we always go, ooh, that's bad. But you know, Jesus did that. So that's not that it's not the case. It it, it very well could be the case. Do we, we agree if Jesus said it was the case, right? Do you agree? It could be the case. But I wouldn't say it's always the case. I think there's other things that hold back healing in your life. So I think it's very unwise just to walk up and strap that on somebody. You just don't have faith. Because Jesus didn't talk about having big faith all the time. He talked about just having a little bit of faith. He talked about just use the faith you have. Jesus was always, I believe, trying to encourage people with their faith. Now, sometimes you get tired, you get frustrated with his disciples because he's talking to them all day about this. And he's like, man, how much am I going to talk to you about this? Talk to you for 13 hours about this today, right? But people, he would be very, very patient with them. And he's trying to get them to believe so that they can step out and receive. See, here's the thing. If God just puts healing on you, which I know he does sometimes, if God just puts healing on you and it doesn't have to do with your faith, a lot of times you might not keep your healing. Because you might have not have, if you don't have feeling to, healing to receive it, how are you going to have healing to walk in it, right? Somebody else starts saying, yeah, you have this. And you're like, yeah, 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 I have that. And you fall right back into that trap again. So he wants to get our faith in him so that we can walk in our healing in who God's called us to. Somebody say amen today? Yeah. So the, um, the two blind men, he said, according to your faith, and then their eyes were opened. So what, did Jesus, what was required for the blind men? Faith. And apparently they both had it. So it was a, he put the bar at a place where they can both step into it, step over it. What did Jesus say made the woman with the issue of blood well? Well, in Mark chapter 5, verse 34, she, she came and she said, if I, there's Jesus, if I could just touch the bottom of his robe, I'll be made well. That was where her faith was, right? So Jesus uh, saw pow- felt power that went out of him. Notice Jesus didn't even do anything about it. She withdrew power. She took the power out of him. And Jesus uh, said uh, to the woman uh, with the issue of blood, daughter, 
your faith, somebody say your faith has made you well. Well, if her faith made her well, can your faith make you well? And can your lack of faith make you not well? Yeah. So we need to have faith. That's one of the ways that we see to receive. In fact, Jesus said these signs would follow who? In Mark chapter 16. It says, and what is the last sign? He said, and these signs will follow those who believe. I want you to notice this. You've heard me say it before. Signs follow believing. Believing doesn't follow signs. See, a lot of times we live in a world that I'll believe it when I see it. Or I'll believe it when I see the sign. But the Bible teaches, believe it before you see the sign. In fact, you won't see the sign if you don't believe it. Believing comes before seeing the sign. He says, these signs will follow believing, not I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see the sign. Does that all make sense? I'll say it again if I need to. Does that make sense? Okay. Signs will follow believing. So what comes first, believing or signs? Let me say it again. What comes first, believing or signs? Yeah, believing. So you have to believe before you see it. That's why it's called faith. These signs will follow them who believe. And he goes on and says, you'll cast out demons and you'll do these things. But the very last sign, he said, you'll lay hands on the sick. They will lay hands on the sick. Somebody say it with me. They will lay hands on the sick and they will, what? What did he say? Did he say they will be instantly healed? Just read it with me. He says, if you believe, you'll lay hands on the sick and the people that you're laying hands on will do what? Did it say instantly healed or did it say recover? Let me, let me just show you. This is where people get hung up sometimes is if they don't see it, they think nothing happened. If they don't see the full results like a microwave, just bam, it's done. Do you know when you walk into a, the doctors and you're saying I'm having some pain or I'm having such and such, most of the time you don't walk out fully healed, but you're on the road to recovery when you walk out, hopefully, hopefully, right? The doctor will usually diagnose you and then prescribe something for you to do, something for you to take. And then you say, they can say, go home, take this a couple times a day or go do this, make sure that you're doing this and you're gonna be okay in a couple of days. Do you know that's go and you're, you shall recover. You're on the road to recovery and what do you do? You believe the doctor, so when do you start feeling relief? When do you, when do you start feeling relief? You start feeling in your heart pressure, you feel relief right away because you're like, oh, I got the answer. I feel, I feel the relief. You had faith in what he said. And so you said, yeah, I got the answer. And then you're in a, re, you're, you have, so, and then eventually you'll get the full answer to it because you're in a recovery process. Do you know that the Bible says lay hands on the sick and if you believe they will recover? They're in a, re, there's many times I'll lay hands on someone and say, okay, you're in recovery mode. What does that mean? It means it's gonna be done. You believe it, and I believe it. It's going to be done. You're on the road to recovery, so let's believe it. Just like you don't go home from the doctor and say, what happened? He didn't do anything. He didn't heal me. I don't feel any different. No, you walk home and say, you know, I think things are already better. You immediately feel better because you're in a recovery process. Um, John G. Lake, who is one of the biggest healers uh, in the, this 20th century, I mean, would just go into places and he would see thousands of people healed at a time. But John G. Lake said, said this. He said, sometimes instant healings are a curse because some people get healed and go away and forget God. He said he believed that people who are gradually healed 
can see that they get better and better as they walk in God. And that knowledge becomes of invaluable wealth to them. Can I tell you, don't give up on healing because it hasn't happened instantaneously. Believe the word of God that they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Yeah, they're on the road to recovery. And then last of all, how to receive your healing. How to receive your healing. Are you catching something out of this today? Okay, how to receive your healing. How is faith demonstrated according to James chapter 2, verse 17? Well, um, they almost, when they were putting together the, the, the whole what the Bible is the Bible, they almost threw James out, the book of James out, to not be a book because of this. Because it said, it's not by faith alone, it's faith without works is dead. He goes and says this. But I want to explain something to you. He says here in James chapter 2, verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Notice, faith if it does not have works. Works are corresponding action. That's something you need to remember. Works mean corresponding action. Works don't replace faith works display faith. Works don't replace faith. Works display faith. So he says here, thus, uh, if, you, if, if you have faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith with your works and I will show you my faith by my works. I want you to notice, works are just corresponding action. Works are your faith being played out. Your works don't replace your faith, they display your faith. Let me give you a for instance. If you needed a car and you said, hey, I really need a car and I came up to you and I said, hey, I have a car for you. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna take care of it, but call me at nine in the morning. And you said, really? And I said, I have a car for you. I'm going to give it to you. Call me at nine in the morning. By the way, I'm not saying that. I just, I'm just, 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 just an example. Somebody received it over here. No, no, no. I'm going to this side. Okay. But, but you say at nine in the morning, at nine in the morning, um, uh, call me. Well, first of all, if you have faith in what I said, because faith isn't in faith. Faith isn't in you. Faith's in God. And faith in what God said. And if God didn't say it, we can't have faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And where the will of God is known is where the word of God is known. We know 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. If we ask anything according to his will or his, will or his word. So we have to go back to the word of God. Okay. So if I, go back to this example. If I told you, I'll take care of it, call me at 9 in the morning, two things happen. First of all, you're relieved. You don't walk around and say, I need a car anymore. You're like, praise God, I got a car. Did you get the car yet? No, you got the promise. And second of all, you'll, first of all, you'll feel relieved. But second of all, if you have faith, you'll feel relieved. By the way, faith rests. It's a whole thing. Hebrews chapter four. They couldn't enter into their land because of lack of rest, right? Faith rests in the promises of God. Okay. So first of all, if you believe me on that particular promise, which is fake, okay, uh, you'll rest. But second of all, if you believe me, you'll call me at nine in the morning. What if you don't? Yeah, sharp. <laughs> call you at 859. I'll call you right away. Why? Because you believe what I said. Faith has action. Right? If I don't believe what you say, if I think, ah, I'm just making things up, I won't call you, and I'll still be stressed about it. But do you know, God can make promises to us, and we don't appropriate the promises of God. We don't pull them into our lives, and we're still stressed out about it, thinking he didn't say anything about it. But he said all throughout his word, there's, there's so many healing healing promises in the word of God. So it's how to receive your healing, okay? Corresponding action. How did the 10 lepers demonstrate their faith when they were cleansed? 
Well, Luke chapter 17 says this. Uh, there was these 10 lepers, and it says, Then he entered a certain village, and there met him 10 lepers, and they stood afar off. The reason they stood afar off is because it was illegal for them to associate up close with people so that he didn't give them leprosy, kind of like with masks and things like that. This was social distancing in the Bible. <laughs> See, everything's in the Bible. It's right there. Okay. Verse 13, they stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Now, why did he do that? Because the act of faith was healed people go to the priest to get signed off. The priest inspects them and says, wow, turn around, turn around, you know, look up. Yeah, you don't have leprosy anymore. You're signed off. You can be with people again. So what did Jesus say? Go show yourself to the priest. Now, they could have looked at their body and just said, we have leprosy. He can't see us because we're social distancing. He doesn't know what's happening. But what did they do? The Bible says, let's keep reading. It says, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. I want you to notice, it's not just faith in your heart, it's faith in your actions. As they stepped out, they didn't get healed until they went and obeyed God. You won't find the answer to what God said until you step out and obey him. Sometimes you're sitting on the couch waiting for the answer and God said, get off the couch and step out and do what I told you to do and you'll find the answer in the midst of the obedience. In Acts chapter 14, when did the man with faith to be healed leap and walk? I want you to notice in Acts chapter 14, I could, there's so many scriptures on this, I just picked out a few. This man heard Paul speaking. Faith comes by hearing, right? So he was listening. And Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Let me ask you, did the man have faith to be healed? Yes. It says, and he said with a loud voice, stand straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. I want you to notice he had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. The man was sitting in his condition of sickness with faith in his heart, but he didn't have corresponding action, and so he didn't receive his healing. The Bible says that Paul looked at him, and he saw, you have faith to be healed. So what did he say to him? Get up! Walk! And the guy got up and walked, and what happened? As he did, he was healed. Do You know, a lot of times we're sitting with the answers in our hearts, and God's saying, move, and you go, I'll move when I see it. No, signs follow them who believe. You're not going to see it until you believe it. Now, I'm not saying fake yourself out and go, I'm going to step out there. You might step out there and, and walk on water and drown. Like I read a story about, I won't tell you about right now, but drown because God never said to step out and do it. You're not just supposed to step out on head knowledge. You're supposed to step out on the word of the Lord. And if you know that God told you to do something, step out and do it when he told you to do it. What did James chapter 5, verse 14 say you should do when you're sick? Well, it says here, and what will happen? James chapter 5, verse 14 says, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray for him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, by the way, um, sometimes sickness has to do with disobedience and sin. That's why it said if he's committed sins. If he's in sin, the Lord will take care of the sin too. 
If he's committed sins, it'll be taken away from him. Now, what's interesting is in verse 13, two verses back, he says, is any of you suffering? The word suffering is like, are you burdened? He says, let him pray. Every time you're burdened about something, every time you're going through a hardship or a trial, don't call for the elders of the church. He says, if you're burdened, get on your own knees and pray for your own prayers to God, right? But he says, but if you're sick, what is that? It's weak and feeble. In other words, if you're going through something and it's more than you can bear, call the elders of the church and let them pull you through it. They'll anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if he's committed sins, it'll be um, forgiven them. Call in some help, somebody, okay? And then uh, what should we do when we cross over the line, trespass, and, and what will happen? Well, James chapter five, verse 16 says this. This is my last scripture. Are you happy about that? Okay. James chapter five, verse 16. What should you do when you cross over the line and trespass? It says, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that we may be healed. Somebody says, I left the Catholic church. I don't want to come back in and confess my trespasses to. No, he's not saying confess your sins. You confess your sins to God, 1 John 1, 9. But when you're going through a struggle, when you're going through something and you've stepped over the line and you've actually, you're struggling with it now, what does he say? Bring someone into it. When you're feeble and weak, bring a leader into it. Bring a brother, bring a sister into it. If you're dealing with the same thing over and over and over and over and over, can I tell you a word today? It's time to call for help. Well, I have God. Yeah, but that doesn't seem to be working. I'm not saying God doesn't seem to be working. But I'm saying whatever you're going through, you need some partnership and you need some help for someone to pray for you and to pray with you. By the way, that's an act of obedience. Because sometimes it takes pride. It, it ta it, your pride will hold you back from bringing someone else into your situation. I've had it happen in my life. You ever had that happen? Where I'm going through something I don't want to tell anybody about. Okay, then keep struggling. But it's time to sometimes just confess your faults and say, hey, look, Man, I've been acting prideful. Oh, I haven't been obeying the Lord. Man, I stepped over the line. God told me to do this. I didn't do that. Oh, I'm just, I need you to pray with me. Let's seal something right now in the spirit. And what'll happen? The Bible says you'll be healed. You'll be healed. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Last question. What did you catch from divine healing today? You believe it's Jesus' will to heal us? Yeah. He, he ministers to the whole man. But do you believe other people are involved as well? They are. And we have to receive that healing from him. I want you to do this right now. Would you just bow your head? And would you open your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I receive healing today. For some, it may be mental illness. For some, it may be physical illness. Some, it may be cancer, tumors. Some, it may be heart disease, diabetes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in here. And like we read in your word this morning in Psalm 107, it says you sent your word and healed them and delivered them. Psalm 107.20, you healed them and delivered them. And right now in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, I speak healing to every single person in this room. I say by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. You were healed. Jesus paid and provided healing for you in Jesus' name. 
I curse sickness and disease right now. I curse spirits of infirmity that would want to be left on you, tormenting you, holding you back from the fullness, from the full life that Jesus has called you to live in. I speak to minds that are unclear today. Even as we were reading some of the curses to where they're they're tormented, they can't think clearly. And I say to you, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I say, be healed, be cleansed, mind, be clear in Jesus' name. I speak to families and relationships right now. Marriages, be healed right now. I just, I know this as I just said it. Some of your marriage problems is not between your spouse. It's the enemy has assigned an attack to take, to tear apart your marriage. Right now, let's, let's come against the enemy. I come against the enemy over marriages and over families right now. I bind you. I say back off in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of families. I speak over young people today. Those that are in their teen years or 20s right now in Jesus name when you're making life decisions I say all of your steps will be taught will be ordered by the Lord all of your the children shall be taught of the Lord youth shall be taught of the Lord students shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure I pray for children today children who are dealing with ADHD with rebellion I know those are two different things who are dealing with abuse and I pray for healing in the name of Jesus healing over children's minds Father I pray for the person today that has actually abused someone in their life and they're dealing with guilt and torment. And they feel like they've disappointed you and disappointed them. I pray for healing in their lives right now. And wisdom. Come on, intercede with me right now. I pray for healing and wisdom in their lives. I know that you're a great redeemer, Lord. You do call for repentance. But you are a great restorer and a great healer right now. And I pray for healing in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the person who's been dealing with a terminal illness for years. And I pray that you'd restore hope to them and show them that even in their later years, you can heal them and you want to heal them and bring restoration to them, bring life to them right now in Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.